this just really hit me even more. I mean, think about it. How <laughs> how can a how can an organization have electronic health records? But then you walk in and they give you a clipboard. They yell, I fill out these 10 pages. Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. You can see it. I mean, it's crystal clear. I think it's going to really revolutionize things. Which is a big game changer. All information discussed or provided by Jonathan Bakhtari, MD, Dr. Bakhtari, and or his affiliates and guests are for educational purposes only. The information discussed and provided is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical concern or condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of any information discussed or provided by Dr. Bakhtari or his affiliates and guests. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call 911 immediately. So welcome to another episode of of Bacteria MD, and today we're going to talk about electronic health records and what that means for you. Uh, for those who don't know, electronic health records is relatively a new phenomenon and maybe probably took off in the last 10, 12, 15 years. And prior to that, believe it or not, all clinicians, physicians, uh, whether in the hospital or in the office, would handwrite essentially any office visit or any patient interaction. Of course, the laboratories would get printed out and get inserted into a paper file. And I'm sure even in the movies you've seen where there's there these walls of paper files for patients and doctor's offices. And really that's how medical records were kept. Obviously that's not very efficient. Um, it's not efficient for communicating those records, to referring doctors, other doctors to the patient, and it's not really effective for uh, being able to search for what you want. So if you have a folder that's this thick and you want to find a certain test or a certain visit, uh, obviously it would be it would require a lot of work. And of course, that would lead to errors and miscommunications. And also, if you want to see several doctors, you know, unless they physically sent a copy to the other doctors, most doctors didn't have the benefit often in real time you know, to find out what the other doctors had done for you or what their impression was. So electronic uh, health records really was a huge leap ahead uh, into the digital world where we were able to get rid of some of the barriers uh, in information communicating effectively by having them electronically. So uh, on it, a good thing. But now let's talk about what's happened since then. So the first thing, I'm, and I'm going to leave a link here, is a study that was published in Fierce, but it was done by Cerner Corporation, who is an electronic health record vendor. And the study looked at 100 million patient visits to 155 U.S. physicians and found that on average, on average, a physician spent 16 minutes and 14 seconds per patient encounter using EHR, with 33% of that time going to chart review, meaning reviewing things in your chart. Documentation was 24%, where they wrote down what they thought was going on and their information that they were gathering. And then 17% of that 16 minutes was spent on ordering things based on that encounter. While that seems large, it was even larger in gerontology, primary care, internal medicine, where it actually went up to 18 to 22 minutes of the encounter. So when I see that, you know, I always say, well, 
it would be nice if my doctor spent 18 minutes with me, like talking to me. And obviously, you know, we know how long a typical doctor's visit is, especially a follow-up. And if they're spending 18 to 22 minutes on the electronic health records, it's not, it's not like a doctor's visit, especially for a follow-up, is an hour long. So you can imagine that the amount of time they actually spent with the patient, and actually I would have liked to seen in the study how much time they actually spent speaking to the patient. Now, that's not really a fault of the doctors because these electronic health records require that sort of commitment. And on some level, you know, as we talked about earlier, having everything digitized and, and being able to communicate your health records to other physicians, to the ER, to other needs that you may have in your healthcare is vitally important. But what what is the price that we're now paying for? The price we're paying is that physicians spend a very large portion of their day, often nights and weekends even, to finish up on electronic health records, doing this rather than patient care. In this study, doctors spent 11% of their time on electronic health records after hours, either on weekends or after 6 p.m. or before 6 a.m. So based on this, you can see that a big portion of practicing medicine is interacting with electronic health records. While that is good and needed, uh, the problem really is if we could take all of that time or a big portion of that time and have them explain things better to the patients, ask more questions, uh, dig a little deeper and you know also provide other things like reassurance, comfort, support, detailed explanation. So is this the best use of a physician's time? Now, I've talked to many of my colleagues and we all agree that this has really been the pitfall of electronic health records. While it did address some of those other concerns, it created a whole new set of concerns. There's another study I want to just really briefly go into. The title of this one is First-Year Doctors Spend Three Times More on Electronic Health Records Than Patient Care. First-year residents and interns spend nearly 90% of their work time away from patients, half of which is spent interacting with electronic health records and documentation. Interns spend 13% of their time or three hours during a 24-hour period interacting with patients face-to-face during a typical day, yet much of that time is spent multitasking according to research from Penn Medicine and John Hopkins University who published this in JAMA. Roughly 25% of the intern's time was interacting with patients occurred at the same time as they coordinated care and updated medical records. First-year residents spent 66% of their time, nearly 16 hours, on indirect patient care. That was almost five times more hours on indirect patient care than face-to-face care. And I'm going to provide a link for this so you can see it yourself. I think what these two studies put together hand in hand tell you that electronic health records are vitally important for the reasons we mentioned earlier. But to the extent that they disrupt the doctor-patient interaction, to the extent that they also limit the amount of time doctors can spend on asking more probing questions, providing comfort, reassurance, which is a big part, especially in primary care, is to understand your patient, to develop rapport, so you may find out if there are other issues. Um, You know, 
when you look at primary care and you know somebody comes to see their doctor let's say in an extreme example where there's some abuse going on but they're showing up for a physical complaint you know if your head is buried in a, in a computer while you're talking with them with minimal eye contact and i'm not saying that happens all the time but the more of the time you're staring at a screen and the less you're like having an encounter with the patient uh no one can argue that that's a win right i mean it's not it's not better uh, it would be better if majority or all that time was spent directly interacting with the uh, patient so at the end of the day electronic health records you know provide documentation digitally which is helpful but the flip side of it is you lose some of that patient interaction and by the way the electronic health records are not without their downside too. They can make errors. For example, and I'll provide a link to that study too. There was there are many errors that can happen using electronic health records. For example, you know the doctor can start writing a medication for you, type the first couple of words, and it can auto-populate the wrong medication, and you can get the wrong medication. There have been cases like that. There have been drop-down menus where doctors you know, have to pick one thing on a drop-down menu, but if they're interacting with you while they're kind of doing that, they can click on the wrong thing, and things like that have happened. So electronic medical records is not the panacea necessarily to get rid of all medical errors. So that has its shortcomings too, uh, as, especially if it auto-populates things that aren't appropriate or correct. So I have a very unique insight into why i think or one of the major problems in electronic medical records being so cumbersome for physicians my personal view is and this is very my direct personal view is that electronic health records want to make life easier for the physicians and they also want to make life easier for the patients to be able to convey their information but i think what takes priority over that with electronic health records is uh, insurance reimbursement. Obviously, no matter how much easier they make their lot, the doctor's lives easier in terms of documentation and how much easier it is for the patient to be able to register and have everything done without getting a paper clip when they walk into the office. Yes, maybe they could even try to get rid of all that. But at the end of the day, the prime purpose of electronic health records is reimbursements. Not at the exclusion of those other things, but clearly if there's an electronic health records that because of the way it's set up reduces reimbursement, especially if it's a corporation or a hospital or a medical group that you know is running it. Obviously, if there's two electronic health records, one, you know, because of the way it documents and communicates information to Medicare to an insurance company, if that reduces their reimbursement, that's not going to be as good as a system that does better. And so, you know, there are many things that a doctor has to check or do, not necessarily because it's part of the documentation, but is to make sure it satisfies regulations and things that insurers want uh, for their purposes. And not not in a bad way, but you know, insurance companies want to see certain information served up in a certain way so they can be comfortable that they're reimbursing for the right thing. So there's this dance going on between the insurance companies wanting certain levels of information. The software writers are saying, hey, we got to get that information there because we don't want this practice not to get reimbursed properly. But then conveying all of the work 
often on the doctor to satisfy one the legal documentation so they're okay in terms of you know they've documented what is really going on but also to make sure that insurers and third parties are satisfied with what they have done so if software electronic health record software was done only to document appropriately and take all the friction out of the doctor's path and take all the friction out of the patient's path, I think electronic health records would be a lot easier to interact with. I think part of why it's so cumbersome is the physician experience and the patient experience are not the only two things that are factored in when that software is written. And I think it's, you know, just like if you've used software, if there's a software that has competing goals, right? If it's only goal, you know, when you buy Photoshop, it's it's there to make you, you know, be able to take a picture and do something with it and as easily and, and as humanly possible. But if there was a third party involved in, in that Photoshop software, you know, who had its own demands, they couldn't really custom make that software to maximize only your user experience. So I think there are there's friction in electronic health records that go beyond what the doctor needs and what the patient needs, and there's these other concerns. The other thing electronic health records don't do very well is getting rid of the need for medical records. Part of the issue is because we're spending so much time trying to make the insurance company happy and third parties happy, you know, we're not really making this truly electronic. Because if it was electronic, you know, there would be a patient portal. All the medical records would just go to the portal. For example, when you want to find out what you ordered on Amazon six months ago, you don't go call Amazon's, you know, records department, do you? Right? You don't say, by the way, you know, what China did I order six months ago and how many did I order, Right? What do you do? You log on and you see what happened six months ago. Why does anyone need to call their doctor's office and say, I need my medical records from this, or I need this laboratory result, or I need that? So you can see that electronic health records are not really set up to reduce friction for the patient, because if they really were, how easy would it be that everything that's ever done to you, you have access to, right? And Electronic health records are not really set up to make the doctor's lives easier because why are they spending so much of their time on it? If if the purpose of that is to free up the doctors, it's not doing it. And so electronic health records are not really, you know, making the patient's lives that much easier because if it were, you never ever need to call your doctor for re- or to get a copy of your records or your ultrasound or your desk, because you would just log into your portal and you would get it. But you don't most of the time. So I think th- that is the proof that electronic health records are like trying to serve multiple masters and not being effective. And even to this day, you know, how many people still walk into a doctor's office and you're given a clipboard? I would imagine after 10 years, of having electronic health records, the clipboard would have been the first thing to go. But why wasn't it? Well, it wasn't because reducing friction for the patient was not the most important thing, right? And reducing friction for the doctor 
is important, but not the most important thing. I think the most important thing is to, one, document everything from a legal perspective, and two, to make sure third parties have the information they need to keep sort of the finance wheels of the healthcare system rolling, which isn't a bad thing because that's needed too. But you can see how that's slowed down the improvement for uh, trying to make less friction for the doctor and less friction for the patient. This just really hit me even more. I mean, think about it. How, <laughs> how, can, a, how can an organization have electronic health records but then you walk in and they give you a clipboard. They say, yeah, I fill out these 10 pages. Obviously, if there was an online portal where you could have done that and they could have sent you a link before you got there or you could have done it in your car while you're waiting, you know, but does that happen sometimes? Yes, but, mm, and even if it is happening now, why did it take so long, right? Because they were working on more important things, which is the things we talked about. So what is the solution? Actually, there is a solution that already exists. And that's the solution is a scribe. Most people don't know what a scribe is, but it's actually used in a lot of different subspecialties in medicine. A lot of ERs use it. And what a scribe is, it's a professional. You actually go to school for it. And there are corporations who actually have you know, these as employees and they farm them out. And what a scribe does basically is it lets the physician, for the most part, interact with the patient, and the scribe is next to the physician and writing down the pertinent information that the doctor is asking and the patient is relating, and then they go in and input all the data and do all of that. And that is actually a career, so you can Google it, a medical scribe. So the question is, why don't we, if literally, if a, if a doctor is spending 16 minutes a visit, okay, working with electronic health records. How about we get that doctor a scribe and he spend that 16 minutes with you, right? Of course, the reason we don't is because a scribe costs money and how are we going to factor that in? I would make the argument that you could spend more time with the doctor the doctor's total visit would be less. So theoretically, they could see a couple more patients to make up for it. And also the satisfaction and the quality for both the doctor and the patient would go through the roof. It prevent, you know, less errors. You know, you can explain instructions in more detail. You can understand the real problem better. I think there's a return in quality and there's a return in satisfaction, return on compliance. If this study is correct, and there's 16 to 22 minutes per interview, a doctor essentially looking at a screen rather than looking at you, I say, let's pay for a scribe and do that. Now, it's interesting, why wasn't this thought of originally? And I'll tell you why it wasn't thought of originally. Because when electronic health records came out, you'll say 10 years ago or plus, majority of doctors were, were employed by themselves. Or even when they were in the hospital, they were their own employees. So it didn't make sense for anyone to hire a scribe for the doctor because essentially the doctors are doing it themselves for free. It doesn't cost the hospital any more money if the doctor spent 15, 20 minutes charting, right? Because they're not paying the doctors if they're in private practice. Now that they're starting to take on the doctors and the doctors are their employees, now you have to take a second look and say, wait a minute. Okay, in the olden days, 
there's no point in getting the doctor a scribe. He just worked three hours longer. Get home three hours later. Who cares? But now I'm paying that doctor as an employee and I want him to be super efficient. I don't want him to you know, work three hours longer because I'm paying for that, I meaning the system or whatever. So I think we're starting to see a growth in scribes. I see them with a lot of ER doctors and with a lot of subspecialists. But really for scribes to make an inroad in primary care, just so the doctors can take that extra 16 to 22 minutes and spend it with you. I'm convinced that the cost will be a wash, hopefully, or pretty close to a wash, uh, with a significant improvement in patient satisfaction, better rapport, better diagnostic you know, assessments, uh, because they're, you, you can do a lot with 16 minutes per visits where you're eyeball to eyeball rather than eyeball to screen. Well, I'm really excited. We're going to be launching a new medical series where I go over medical situations you've been through, encounters at the hospital, doctor's office. So send your stories to BakhtariMD forward slash contact. Of course, we're going to keep everything anonymous. We're not going to use your name and we're not going to release any private medical records, just the overall story. And we're going to help you understand and help the viewer understand the context, the content and what the story really meant behind the scenes from what you've told us. Thank you so much. Please send those in. Thank you for listening. You can check out my website, jonathanbakhtarimd.com, to sign up for my newsletter. And you can watch this full episode over in my YouTube channel, BakhtariMD, where you can leave questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes. As always, be well. Thank you. Thank you.